I'm going to introduce uh, our guest preacher today, Kevin Teasley. And I'm actually not going to introduce him because Matt is. So I'm just going to go ahead and call Kevin up, and he'll figure out what's going on here shortly. But yes, Kevin Teasley preaching for us today. Am I, am I live? Oh, there we go. Good to be with you this morning. And um, I have a, something to read uh, from Matt. This is risky because <laughs> I haven't seen this. <laughs> um, so Matt left this up here. I would have liked to be here today so I could introduce Kevin to you in person because his ministry has had a profound effect on my life. Kevin is the husband of Rosie and the father of Kennedy, Micah, and Molly Jane. Kevin was also my RUF pastor at Wake Forest University. I came to faith the spring of my sophomore year, and after a dear friend invited me to RUF, Kevin became my first pastor, walking alongside me as a college kid and teaching me who Jesus is, who I am, uh, who I am and what it is to follow him. Uh, then about 16 years later, as a pastor pursuing a call to church planning, Kevin introduced me to Midtown Fellowship, told me they were seeking to hire a church planner, and he told me he believed that I was the guy they were looking for, and Midtown West is a result of that encouragement. Kevin, thank you for your friendship and your ministry. Thank you for your love for Jesus, your love for the Word of God, and your love for people. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Matt. <laughs> um, man, that's great. I love Matt Avery. And I, I remember well uh, his days at Wake Forest, and I can tell you stories later if you want to hear them. <laughs> um, this is so great to be here. I, very honored by by that. And even I was just sitting here, I was sharing with them. I just uh, I've actually slipped in here several, a few Sundays, and sat in the back. And um, I'm just so proud of Matt, and and just I'm, I'm I'm thankful to God for the way He blessed this ministry. And I'm telling you what I knew back at Wake Forest University. That, that he was he was gifted and and a guy that that God had his hand on and um, and I'm just really excited to be here and um, and so thank I thank thankful to Matt for inviting me and um, thank thankful to you for for having me and um, I'm gonna um, be preaching from Psalm 67 here uh, as we continue to go forward I was an REF, REF campus minister for 19 years and uh, in 2015, my family and I, we moved to Nashville. And I still work with RUF, but I work with the national office. And um, I, I'm the, you know, I'm basically the vice president for advancement, and, uh, which is a fancy way of just saying I, just, I'm over, I oversee all the fundraising uh, for RUF. I do a lot of fundraising, which is something that if you would have told me 10 or 15 years ago that that's what I was going to be doing uh, at a you know, professionally in a sense, um, I, I wouldn't have known what to do with that, honestly. And, um, but, but I love the ministry of RUF. I was converted through RUF back in college, back in the, in the early 90s. And, um, you know, so I'm indebted to that ministry uh, just in that regard. But then I've also just watched the Lord over the last, you know, 30, almost 30 years now, using the ministry of RUF to build and strengthen his church. And, um, and that's really been a fun thing to be a part of. Uh, my, my wife and I, and my, my children, uh, we, we attend Covenant Presbyterian Church. And I know that, um, that, you know, everybody in Nashville and beyond is very aware of everything that happened, you know, on March 27th, and just uh, and no doubt in a, 
in, at this church in a crowd this size, I know that there are people here uh, that have probably been, you know, affected by that and impacted by, by the events of that day. And, um, and I don't want to just totally bring you into how I've been processing that and thinking about that, but although it's just been a very big thing in my world and in my, my life and my heart, but this is what I, I have been thinking about and, and meditating on and even been praying over these last few months. We're, we're all just very aware that, that we live in a world that's fallen and broken. And, and it's full of people that have been bruised and broken by the fall, as the, as the hymn says. And, um, and, and this is a room full of people that have been bruised and broken by the fall. And we are all, even without, the, even without what happened on March 27th in the shooting, um, we, we're aware that life is hard and that it's painful and, and, and tragic in many ways. There's a passage in Revelation that says that one day Jesus is going to wipe away every tear. And what that says to me is that we're going we're gonna to enter into heaven crying. And that's because life this side of heaven is hard. And it's difficult. And it's a fallen and broken world. And, and even, even in the midst, as we're surrounded by a lot of loss and a lot of sadness, even as I recognize that and acknowledge that, even in the midst of that tragedy, um, one of the things that I just want to point out that I have just seen and really witnessed, and, and I know that you have as well, is at that same time, we have been surrounded by God's blessing. And one of the things that I have seen over the last few months is so much beauty and grace and art, artistry and creativity and acts of kindness. I've experienced community like I've never experienced in my life. The sweetest fellowship I've ex the prayers that I've heard people pray and that I've, that I've listened to. It has been amazing to see, not just at Covenant Pres, but at churches all throughout Nashville, this church even, um, it just began, God's people being God's people. Acts of generosity and of kindness that I've, it's been really amazing. Uh, hugs and tears, humor and laughter, um, the errands that I've seen being run, the generosity that's been pouring out um, has really been unbelievable. And there have been so many moments over the past couple of months where I have just stood back and, and just thought, wow, this is, this is really amazing when you see God's blessing and his generosity. And I think this psalm, Psalm 67, that we're going to be looking at, commentators refer to this as a harvest psalm because what, what, they, what they believe about this psalm is that that the psalmist is getting a, glip, a glimpse of the harvest, like this really fantastic crop, God's blessing. And, and he's kind of taking a step back as this harvest comes in, and he's like, oh my goodness, the Lord has really shown up today. The, year, the earth has yielded its increase. And it just, what, what I love about this psalm is, is the psalmist, he encounters God's blessing, 
He, en- he encounters God's generosity, and I just love where it takes his heart. And, and that's what I hope is going to happen with us this morning as we look at this. At, at, like, the psalmist, I don't know how to describe what's going on in his heart here. Revival, maybe? Uh, for certainly there's some sort of renewal happening in his life. We can at minimum say it's repentance, because what repentance is is basically where you're turning away from other things and you're turning to God. He's absolutely stirred. And, I, and I'm just going to really be honest with you. What, what I've experienced in my own heart over the last couple of months has been renewal. Um, I might even want to say revival. Because one of the things that, you know, suffering and tragedy and trials does, it, it really gives you some, a singular focus. It, it locks you in on what really is important. Um, what is the main thing? What is life all about? Um, and it's really been amazing, and I think that's why I've been drawn towards this. Um, I mean, even if you, you remember the, the, the Nashville, the police chief, and that press conference um, after the shooting on March 27th, he's, he's talking, it was, it was on television, you can YouTube this, and where he just says, you know, as I've watched this, the aftermath of this unfold, and I've, I've watched Covenant School, I've even watched these children, I've seen the response to this tragedy, he says this, he goes, it has renewed my faith in God. And that's what happens when you, when you start bumping up against God's blessing, when you start bumping up against the generosity of God. And that's what's happening here uh, in this psalm. Um, this psalm is about a God that loves to bless, that loves to pour out his blessing. Okay? And, and I'm going to read it. May you hear God's word. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way be, may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God, it stands forever. Uh, may he just bless the, the preaching and the teaching of his word uh, here this morning. Uh, you know, I'm, a, uh, I'm an ordained minister, and one of the things that that means is that whether I'm with a group of family members or I'm a, with a group of friends, uh, whatever kind of event, I often get asked to pray. <laughs> and um, I'm, like the, I'm like the designated prayer at a lot of, a lot of events that I go to. And, and just honest, sometimes there's times I don't really know what to pray. And I've realized that we have these, and you, and you may be like this when, when you're asked to pray, or maybe if you're even praying, you know, in your... In, you know, you're just praying alone in your own heart. You realize that there's these sort of default prayers that we go to. You know, Father, we pray for, you know, this situation, that situation, and we pray that you would bless them, (laughs) you know, that you would bless him or her. That has certainly been one of the prayers that I have prayed a lot over the last couple of months. Um, 
Many of you maybe were like me and, and your phone started blowing up on March 27th and people saying, we are praying for you. We are praying that the Lord would bless you and Covenant Church and Covenant School and the people uh, that were impacted by that. And, um, but you know, we pray, even driving to church this morning, I'm praying, Father, would you just bless me as I preach? Um, would you bless your word as it goes out? Would you bless these people um, as they are going to be listening to this sermon? Bless us as we worship. Um, but what does that even mean? What does it mean when we ask for God to bless someone? Does it mean that we, we just want good things to happen to them and not bad things? Does it, you know, when we ask that God bless somebody, are we saying, Lord, bless them so that they don't suffer? I mean, that would fly in the face of so much that's in the Bible, right? Because as you read, it's almost on every page of scripture that there are times when God uses suffering and trials and that he actually calls people into that all the time. And as crazy as it might sound, as you read, the, as you read scripture, you realize that, that sometimes suffering and trials actually is God blessing someone. So what does that mean? What does it look like? I'm going to attempt to get at that today. And I got three points. And one is, I the first point is, who is it that blesses? Who's the blesser? Who's the one that blesses? Second question is, who are the blessed? Uh, who gets the blessing? Um, and then the third one is, what does that mean? What's the blessing mean? And so let's just jump right in here. Who is the one that blesses? And if you look at verse 1, verse 6, it's clear it's God. Verse 1 says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Verse 6 says, God, our God, shall bless us. And verse 7 says, God shall bless us. So there's no, there's no shocker there. Um, God is the one that blesses. And as, as I mentioned, I, I do fundraising for a living. And um, I, I talk to donors all over this country. And uh, I, I spend time with them. I visit with them. And one thing that I have really become convinced of is that there are people out there that have the gift of generosity. And I'll, just, I'll put it this way, givers are gonna give. They can't help themselves. Givers are gonna give. It's like a freight train. And it's amazing when I run into somebody like that. And, um, and, and I'm not talking about just from a capacity standpoint. I'm just talking about this real heart of generosity. And let me just tell you what, God, has got the gift of giving. He has the gift of generosity. You and I worship a God that loves to bless. And he's been blessing since the very beginning, back in the beginning of Genesis at the creation account, um, when, he spoke, when he speaks things into existence just simply by the word of his power. On the fourth day, he creates all the, all the animals, the birds, the fish, the sea creatures, and it says that he blesses them. And then on the sixth day, he makes human beings, he makes Adam and Eve, and he fashions them in his own image, and it says that he blessed them. Okay? I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that look, even looked like. But I can tell you this. Adam and Eve felt it, and they knew it, that they were blessed. Uh, he, God creates the Sabbath day, this day of rest, and it says that he doesn't just set that day apart, but he says he blesses it. Um, 
Some of you may have, when I read this psalm, you may be familiar with a lot of those words. It's the ironic blessing from Numbers chapter 7, when Aaron is giving the high priest the directions and instructions about, he says, Aaron says, listen, he's talking to the high priest, and he says, this is how you bless God's people. He says, this is how you pronounce God's blessing on his people. You say it like this. You say, the Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And then Aaron says this, and he says to the high priest, he says, and when you do this, you're not just blessing my people, but you're putting my name on them. God loves to bless. And you may be here this morning and maybe you don't feel that because I do know this, that, and I know just the, the, the default modes of, of our hearts. Um, just because it's in the Bible and just because the preacher's up here saying it doesn't mean that you necessarily believe that that's what God is like. And I do know that the more pain you're in, the more suffering that you go through, it's really easy to just think that like God has a, some sort of a scorecard, right? And, um, and, and you better get with the program, you, you know, or you've gone so far, like you're really going to get it. I just think it's easy for our hearts to drift into that kind of a mentality with God. And what I just want you to say, that is just not the God of the Bible at all. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Uh, if, if he did, none, you know, the, as the psalmist says, who, would stand, who could stand? Like if God treated us as our sins deserve, none of us would be able to stand before him. That's not God at all. Um, my daughter, one, one, when she was in high school, she worked at an ice cream shop here in Nashville. And, um, and my, she's my oldest child, and we affectionately refer to her as the fun monkey in our family. And um, she's just a ton of fun, and she, she, she has a lot of fun, and she wants other people to have a lot of fun. And she's a very generous, kind of gracious person and personality. And she worked at this ice cream shop uh, here in Nashville, and, and she became kind of known as giving to, as the person who gave too much ice cream at the shop. <laughs> and, and her boss did not like it, <laughs> believe it or not, and, and, and was always correcting her. And actually started making my daughter weigh the ice cream before she would give it to the customers, right? And, um, and I just, I'm using that as an illustration to say that God is not like her boss at all. Because Kennedy's just like, let the blessings flow, <laughs> you know? And that's how God is. He says, let, let, let my blessings flow. He, he loves to bless. There, there, um, one of the blessings I've received, one of my very best friends is Brian Habig. He's a pastor uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. He was the former RUF minister at Vanderbilt. He was there for a lot of years. And um, I, I do a lot of traveling, as I said, and so I'm listening to podcasts and sermons all the time. Brian Habig's one of the guys, he's one of my favorite preachers, and I love listening to him. And, um, and I, I listen to him preach on this passage, and I listened to the sermon about five or six times, because I just thought that's just one of the best things I've ever heard. And one of the things he said, I'd never heard this before. There's this amazing passage in Isaiah 28. And, and God is about to bring his judgment upon the Israelites because of their unfaithfulness and their rebellion and their hard-heartedness. And listen to what, listen to what Isaiah says about God and this judgment and this wrath. I've ne I'd, I'd never noticed this verse before. But it says, judgment and wrath is God's strange work. God's wrath is his alien work. 
In, in other words, what he's saying is that is not something God is disposed to do. Because God's disposition is to bless his people. And I just know that some of you really need to hear that this morning, that God's disposition is to bless. Because it is so easy for us to fall into this default mode thinking that God's disposition is to scold or just that we're sort of in trouble all the time and, and you better get it together or else. That's just not, that's just not who God is. Um, and if you want more proof, think about Jesus. Jesus says this. He says, you know what? If you've seen me, Jesus says, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, Jesus says, look at me. I'm the exact representation of the Father. You want to know what Jesus was like? It's such a beautiful picture. You know, the children just flock to Jesus. Just, just his ethos, right? Just his presence made children want to flock to him. And there's the scene where, where Jesus, all these children are coming around him, and Jesus is teaching the disciples, get, get a little, t- you know, they're irritated about it, and they're like, get these kids away from Jesus. Get them away. Let the teacher teach. And Jesus rebukes the disciples. He says, no, 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 no. You, you let the children come to me. The kingdom is full of people like this. And unless you become like a child, you're not going to enter the kingdom. And, and he doesn't just stop there, but what it says is that he picks up those children, he takes them in his arms, and he blesses them. I mean, this is all over the Gospels. Jesus with people. He turned the water into wine. He turned this, great, this good party into a like, really great party. Just blessing he, 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 this leper approaches him outside the city, because if you're a leper, that's where you got to be, because nobody, they send you outside the city, nobody's going to approach you. Jesus goes right up to him, and not only does he tell the leper, be clean, but he reaches out and touches the man. And let me t- if there was one thing that you didn't do to lepers is touch them, ever, especially a religious guy like Jesus, right? But he reaches out and touches the guy, and he says, you be clean. And when he touches him, he says, listen, buddy, I'm, I'm, when I, he's touching you and he's saying, you be clean. He's saying, I'm willing to become what you are by nature. I'm becoming it by choice so that you can be clean. Blessing. Just blessing all the time. There's the woman, um, there's that great crowd uh, where people are pressing up against Jesus. And, she, and there's a woman who's, who had been subject to bleeding for like 11, 12 years, right? And she, touch, she grabs the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus is like, who in the world who touched me? And the disciples like, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you, Jesus, right? But he knows something's up. He felt the power. And he turns and he sees this woman and she falls down at his feet. And she, it says that she fell at his feet trembling. And he looks at her and he just says, you have been, he- your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Um, there's the scene blessing her. We could go on for days with stories like that. The woman who's about to get stoned for adultery, Jesus stands up. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're about to stone this woman for her adultery. Jesus gets up and he he protects her. He calls her daughter. And he gets between him, the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the the people with rocks in their hands, gets between them and the woman. And he he starts to write with his finger in the dirt. Uh, I don't know what he wrote there. Um, But I tell you what it was meant for them to realize 
The last time God wrote in the dirt on Mount Sinai when he wrote the Ten Commandments, right, in the, in the stone tablets. And Jesus writes in the, in, the, in the dirt. And he looks at them and he says, listen, if anybody here is innocent of not breaking if any, of, in, of not breaking any of God's laws, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And you know, they, they, they put those rocks down and they left. Just blessing. I mean, blessing. That, that's what he came to do. He came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Uh, that's who Jesus is. And Jesus says, you want to know what God is like? Uh, look at me. I'll show you what God is like. Uh, at the ascension... This is when he's saying goodbye to the apostles. He's going up into heaven. This is after the resurrection. And three times in four verses, as he's ascending into heaven, it says that he, he blesses them. All the disciples, all their mistakes, all their doubts, Peter's denials. He just came to make, he says, he, he came to bless them. That's why the psalmist says it three times just in these seven verses. God loves to bless. Well, as, as we move on, who is the blessed who is it that God delights in blessing? Well, it's us. Look again at verses 1, 6, and 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Verse 6, God our God shall bless us. Verse 7, God shall bless us. What that is referring to, that us, is referring to God's people, the people of God, the Israelites. And one of the things that was absolutely core to the Israelites' identity is that they were a blessed people. Absolutely a blessed people. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham. And Abraham at that time, he is a godless, pagan idolater. He had no interest in God whatsoever. And he was just one out of a million other people on the planet that had no interest in God whatsoever, okay? There was nothing deserving about Abraham at all. God just chose him. And he said, Abraham, listen, I'm about to bless your socks off. I want you to go to this land that I'm going to show you, that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to bless you there. I'm going to make you a great nation to the ends of the earth from this time on. You're going to be a blessed nation, and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this inheritance. I'm going to give you descendants. Um, and I, I love that God didn't come to Abraham and say, I might bless you, or I'll probably bless you. He said, I'm going to bless you. Like, it's a promise. It's a certainty. And think about it like this. If you could imagine this giant waterfall of blessing, think, and Niagara Falls would be absolutely an appropriate image here. This amazing waterfall of blessing just crashing in on Israel, okay? And, and, and like any waterfall, there would, there would be this spray that goes out. The, this consent, these concentric circles of blessing. And we actually know that that's how the, the blessing of Israel goes out. You know, Assyria, Egypt, and all the nations surrounding Israel. And eventually Paul and the apostles, right, in the New Testament, they go out and they're, they're, they're taking the blessing of God. And it, and it just goes out and out and out, these concentric circles, that spray of blessing going out, till eventually, all these years later, it reaches Nashville, Tennessee, like all of us here this morning, literally, are a result of that. We would be like the very outer edge of that blessing that crashes in on Israel. Um, and 
That, that's the picture that the psalmist is painting right here. And one of the things about Israel, they knew that they were blessed. They, they would have owned it. They did own it, that they were blessed. They, they loved it. They, would have, they loved it, that they were blessed by God like that. And, and so in the Old Testament, God's people, the recipients of this amazing blessing of God, it, it was the Israelites. That was God's covenant community um, in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, God's covenant community is the church. It's all of those who have united by faith to Christ. Like, if you are in Christ, if you have united yourself to Christ by faith, guess what? You are now a part of the church. You are part of God's community, and you are the recipients of that blessing. You are a child of Abraham. You've been engrafted in. And all of those great promises of blessing that uh, on God's people that are all in the Old Testament, they are now on you. You're the, the us here is talking about Christians today. That's God's people. And let me tell you what, listen, if you are united to Christ here this morning, you have put your faith in him, you need to own that. You need to claim that. You need to believe that. You need to not be afraid of that. I, you know, uh, the apostle Peter in his, in his letter, he quoting the Old Testament and he's talking to, to Christians. And he says, once you are not a people of God, but now you are the people of God. The church is basically Israel 2.0. It's Israel matured. Israel grown to a greater size. Everything that was true about Israel is true of us today. You're God's community. You're God's covenant community. If you are here this morning and you are in Christ, you are ridiculously privileged. privileged ridiculously blessed. You're, the other privileges that you have in your life don't measure up at all to the blessings you have of being in Christ. God's face is shining upon you. His face is turned towards you. His blessing are ours. Right? Paul writes in the beginning of Ephesians that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm are ours in Christ. You get your mind. In John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, there's this amazing scene. Jesus is praying to the Father in front of the disciples, and he's praying about the disciples, praying for other believers. And he says this He says, Father, I want them to have the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. Can you imagine? Just go meditate on that today. That's yours in Christ. Plan A for God's people. God's plan A for his people was to know that she was so loved by God that she was that 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 you are God's treasured possession, the apple of his eye. God has always wanted his people to walk in such confidence in that, of that love and that privilege that that his people would then go out and be that blessing to other people, to those around him. And now we're into the series for the summer, okay? Took a long time to get there, but this is what you got to understand. Like we're, Jesus is the master. We're the apprentices. His plan has always been that we would walk in such confidence in his love and his blessing that that blessing would flow through us out into, out into our neighbors so that we, you're blessed to be a blessing. God has been incredibly generous to us, and now he says, you go, you go do likewise. He washes the disciples' feet 
right? Puts on a towel, and the, and the disciples couldn't get over it, especially Peter. Oh, you're not doing that to me, Jesus. And he says, well, listen, if I don't do this to you, I'll have, you can't have any part of me. And, and Peter says, well, then you wash my whole body then, Jesus. <laughs> but he, 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 they were blown away by what Jesus was doing, and they knew what it meant. Jesus getting down on his knees and serving them, I mean, that kind of humility, to wash their feet. And then what does he say when it's done? He says, now you go do likewise, right? That was always God's goal. He says it right here. See, there's, there's two, two groups in this psalm that are blessed. He says, bless us, God. Why? And let me tell you what, God, God is not blessing you. He's not blessing me so that we can just store that blessing up within ourselves. But God's plan has always been to bless his people so that we would be the, a conduit of his blessing to the world, to those around us. Um, he says, bless us so that they will know your saving ways. God's goal for his people has always been for his people to go out there and reach those people so that those people become his people. That's always been his plan. And that kind of takes me into this, you know, what is the blessing? What's it, I want to look at the content of the blessing and the effect of the blessing. He says, bless us so that they will know what you are like. And that's, that's the effect. But the content, is, the content of the blessing is that we would know him, that we would know his grace, that we would know that his face is shining upon us, that his face is turned towards us. Uh, this, this blessing here is known as Baroka. Baroka means blessing. And whenever Israel, whenever God's people would gather in the Old Testament, the, the, the priest would stand up in front of them, and he was instructed to do it with open hands, okay? And, and he would pronounce with open hands. He would say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And his hands were supposed to be open. In other words, I'm not carrying any weapons. I'm not against you. I'm not pointing my fist at you or my finger at you. I'm not waving my hand at you. I'm not attacking you. I'm not feeling violence towards you. The whole thing was so that his people would get the sense that of God is for them. I am for you. I am blessing you. My face is not against you, but it's shining on you. And he wanted that done all the time and said all the time over God's, over his people because he knows that the default mode of the human heart is to believe, this side of the, after the fall, is to believe that God is against us. And so he wanted that priest to say all the time, no, 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 no. My face is shining on you. It's not against you, but I'm for you. Um, with, with Baroka, God's people would have confidence to go out and be a blessing to the world around them. Without, with the Baroka, they knew that they were blessed people. Um, this is one of the, and I don't, I don't know how, this is the reason a lot of churches, I, I've seen this uh, done many times, I've actually participated in, in, in baptisms before, and, and quite often, sometimes the pastor will take the, take the child um, after the baptism and, and like walk down the center aisle, and, and the congregation would sing, the Lord bless you and keep you, and you're doing that because you want that child to grow up with Baroka, the blessing, always knowing that God is for you, right? It's just really a beautiful picture. 
that knowing that the face of God is shining upon them, that that child would be trained in the way of Baroka. I heard one pastor put it that way. I think that's so beautiful. Um, the blessing was supposed to flow so that your ways may be known, the psalmist says, that your saving power would be known among the nations. That word saving power in Hebrew is one word. It's Yeshua. And it's, it's the Hebrew word um, for salvation. Uh, it's where the name Joshua comes from. It's, and, it's, and in the New Testament, it's where the word Jesus comes from. Yeshua. Like if Mary would have gone out and called for Jesus one day, she probably didn't say, Jesus, come on. She would have said, Yeshua, Yeshua. And I have no idea what was in the mind and heart of the psalmist here when he says it, but I think it's cool as heck that he says may your, that your saving powers, that Jesus, that Yeshua may be known among the earth. I just think that's really cool because that's the result. Um, that's the reason. That's the effect of the blessing. You become a blessing. The psalmist is saying, God, bless your people so that your blessing goes out all over the world. That's what Jesus is calling all of us here today. He has poured out his blessing upon. You know, and sometimes, and even, like even, sometimes the God blessing really is a material thing. Um, in this case, it was, it was a harvest. It was something like grain, crops, cattle, that just really moves the psalmist to acknowledge God's blessing. And I, as I said at the beginning, I love where it takes his heart. Sometimes that blessing um, is, uh, it is a physical thing, something like wealth or crops or grain or health even. But the great blessing that this psalm is talking about is a blessing that you can have whether rich or poor, whether sickness or health. And that is that you can know the God who made you and know that his face is shining upon you because of the Savior, because of Yeshua, that he has provided. To, and that's, that can be known no matter what. And that's his, when he blesses us, that's where he wants to take us. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the beautiful picture that is in this psalm. And I pray that all of our hearts would go exactly to where this psalmist's heart, his heart goes. Um, he burst out in song and singing, and that's what God's people do when they, when they understand the richness of your grace and your generosity towards us. And not only that, but it causes us to become very generous with other people. It causes us to go be a blessing to others because we know how you have blessed us. And so, Father, I want to pray that you would bl bless Midtown Church in West Nashville, um, that you would bless all the Midtown sites, that you would bless us, uh, that you would bless all these families so that your way and that your saving power may be known all throughout Nashville and even all over the world. May your blessings flow as far as the curse is found. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And I'm going to, as I understand, there is a prompt. And that, uh, I said in the sermon that the Lord has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others. And um, when you understand the generosity of God, uh, you, you start to get generous with other people. 
And so I think that these questions, these prompts here are really an amazing thing for you to be thinking about and meditating on this week. And like, these are, these are some real concrete, great steps that you can take this week uh, in following Christ, because uh, this is what he's done for you. Uh, amen. So take a picture of this and, um, and, and put these into practice this week.